Live from the fish tank, it's your host Ronnie with another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast. Back with the final one sport recap for many, many months. A lot of fun ahead of us here. Hockey starts today as you are listening to this. I hope you all, I'm sure you all, are just as excited as I am about this. Cannot wait. Going to be the most wonderful time of the sports calendar. And as such, we have the DZAC Hockey Season Preview by yours truly. And I think that can be uh, the first segment today. I'm pretty excited about it, so let's put this up first. All right, so we have the DSAC Hockey Season Preview. Doing this solo, no one took me up on my offer to uh, collab with me for this episode. Hey, it's okay. Feelings uh, aren't hurt, uh, not one bit. Nope. More than okay doing this on my own. So, let's start. We're going to base this off of the rankings I dropped a couple weeks ago where I basically plugged all your rosters into a third-party formula and it spit out numbers. We're going to go in... Let's go in ascending order. Let's start from the bottom and get all the way to the top. So how I kind of want to do this is I want to focus on four particular things about each team. You know, a, a stud, like who is the player or players for some teams that you're really, really leaning on here to build your team around. Who is a player that's a bit of a sleeper? This isn't necessarily like always like a, a super deep sleeper. This could just be a guy who I just think is going to do better than maybe projections think or the general consensus thinks a faller a player who i the opposite of a sleeper essentially a player who i a little bit more down on or expect to do slightly worse than projections because there's nothing i take more pride in than being wrong so let's give myself more opportunities to be wrong on the podcast and finally uh, a bit of a storyline so like what is the uh, the general aura around this team what's the thing to watch for more or less so we'll expand on it. I'll kind of blab on about uh, other stuff too here. But we are going to start with Mike. And Mike's stud is Wi-Fi. Because I'm afraid if I say anyone else that Wi-Fi will come to my house and punch my face in. The 1B to Wi-Fi is 1A. Uh, I can really pick either McAvoy or Svechnikov, really. I... You know, either either one should should really work there. Um, neither one of those is really a guy you want to build your franchise around, but that's the state of the Valley Jobin at this point, and it's probably only going to go up from here. Uh, for sleepers, this is kind of a tough one. This is not in a bad way, but there's a handful of possible candidates here. So Pablo Zaka looks like he's going to be the, the top-line center on Boston, perhaps. Uh, or at the very least, he's going to get more ice time and more um, favorable deployment with... Bergeron and Krejci gone so you would have to imagine that you know if he's going to be up with Pasternak and or Marchand hey numbers are going to look uh, look not too bad there I think um yet Jacob Vrana I don't quite know what to make of him um when he was on the ice for Detroit he looked really good but he is not reliable in terms of being on the ice and that's kind of an issue so I'm hopeful for Vrana's sake and for Mike's sake that that won't be an issue. And I guess you could maybe pick Yusuf Valimaki too. Sounds like he's probably on PP2 to start for Arizona. But I, I don't know. I feel like he's had some prospect pedigree and just might be a guy who maybe kind of takes a bigger role as the season goes on. It'd be kind of cool to see for him. Uh, for a faller, I couldn't really find one on Mike's team that I felt strongly about. So I guess maybe Cam Fowler, another year older, and I am sucks to put it politely uh maybe just might have some issues there and uh, the big storyline here around mike's team is can mike avoid the top pick because he doesn't own his own pick barry does so can mike do his best to stay out of the the depths of the cellar we'll see we need to get a couple big agency signings from mike here casey middlestat adrian kempe both got max term deals Thatcher Demko got a fat extension. It's a, it's a very 
it's a roster filled with a lot of complementary pieces. And I think if if Mike can do well with graduating some prospects over the next couple of seasons, that he could be on the right track. Or at the very least, um, these could be guys who could be very good trade pieces. Uh, probably not this year, because like I mentioned, Mike's trying to not lose or lose as little as he can. So we'll see how, how that all shakes out. Um, the ninth place team on my rankings was Tom. Uh, and finding a, a stud on Tom's team was kind of difficult. Um, I, I was caught between whether it's Miro Heiskanen or Alex Petrangelo, neither of whom you really want to be your centerpiece like at all. Like I would rather have McAvoy or Sveshnikov between those two. But, uh, yeah, there's just not really a lot going on here with um, high-end talent. The sleeper here, uh, I don't know, I guess, like, what I wrote down was uh, Tyler Bertuzzi or Arturi Lekkanen. I mean, I don't think those guys are really particularly sleepers, but I would not be surprised if Bertuzzi had, like, a, uh, a Zach Hyman-esque season because it sounds like he's going to be riding shotgun with, with Matthews or and then some combination of the top guys there. Uh, you know, he plays a bit of a gritty game to an extent. He'll go into the corners, dig pucks out. He'll crash the net and try to tip pucks, and he'll do some of the dirty work on that line to try to free up the stars to look a little more offensive. And then, I don't know, Lekkanen, the whole... Val Nichushkin thing is very weird still. We don't know anything about it, which maybe we don't need to know anything about it, but is how is Nichushkin going to play? Because Lekkanen plays a similar role on the team, and could that whole uncertainty maybe benefit Lekkanen in terms of getting more ice time or better deployment? We'll see. Either way, Tom has both of them, so he'll likely reap the benefits of that in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the father for Tom. Um, see Jason Zucker ending up on Arizona. Uh, Arizona, they're on the right path, but I don't know. I think he might underperform a little bit until he gets traded, presumably. But at the same time, Zucker's on a $500,000 contract, so I don't think it'll really matter for Tom. Um, and the storyline here is uh, Iserman or Celebrini watch, because this is not a particularly good team. This is not a team that's probably going to make a lot of moves in season. And this is a team with bad goaltending, really bad goaltending. Like, very, very bad goaltending. So, curious to see how this shakes out. The one thing he does have going for him is he does have a little bit on the uh, on the blue line. You know, we do still have Zach Wierenski coming back from missing most of last year. Uh, we've got... I'm curious to see if Oliver ekman Larson can kind of turn things around a little bit. Um, not going to assume that to be the case, but it seems like he had a couple flashes in preseason, and maybe he's just one of those guys who needed a change of scenery. I believe he had family issues at some point in time. I don't know if it was with Vancouver. It may have been late in his time in Arizona, and it kind of lingered into Vancouver, but potentially he was just not in the right mind place. And maybe he's a little bit more removed from that and he can kind of get back to being closer to what he was a few years ago. Not at his peak by any means, but he might be serviceable. We'll see. And then after Tom comes Kevin. Uh, and this this team has a very clear uh, player to build around here. It is Jack Hughes, folks. He is uh, quite good believe it or not, you may have heard, um, could potentially be a 40-goal scorer as soon as this year. So that's uh, it's a very nice centerpiece for Kevin. And let's be honest here, there's a couple other talented players here too. Uh, Tim Stutzla looks <laughs> really damn good. Um, I'm surprised he's already in the final year of his rookie deal, but I suppose it makes sense he's been in the league for that long. Um, let's see here, William Nylander. Always a quality player, points-wise. Uh, and then uh, other young talent, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, I guess it kind of plays into the sleeper. This isn't the guy I, I picked for sleeper, but uh, 
Noah Dobson, I think, could maybe be uh, a guy to, to watch out for a little bit. But the real sleeper on Kevin's team, in my opinion, is Connor Brown. Because Connor Brown did not play much last year. People maybe overlooked him. He is now on Edmonton. And it seems like he's going to be in a, a pretty decent role there. And if you are even on the ice with McDavid and or Dreisaitl at any point in the game, you're probably going to end up with a couple points. And uh, yeah, that could be beneficial to Connor Brown with those secondary assists, perhaps. I think also worth noting, I'm, I don't want to look this up, but I'm pretty sure that Connor Brown also played in Erie. So he would have been junior teammates with Connor McDavid. So, eh, you know, hey, maybe. Uh, beyond that, uh, pretty good goaltending group here, too. Lena Solmark, um, very strong goaltender. Carter Hart, Alexander Georgiev, Sergei Bobrowski. It's a very expensive goaltending room. There's a lot of money tied up in goalies here. But by and large, they're all pretty good. And ultimately, when it comes to a faller on Kevin's team, I did pick Allmark, not because I think he's going to be bad, but because I just don't see how Lena Zolmark can reproduce what he did last year. He can still be a, a top 10 goalie in, the, in our, our format and be, you know, comfortably worse than he was last year. So that's kind of what I would see happening there because, you know, there's a lot of this team is pretty young. So for me, it's kind of hard to really pick younger guys to underperform, but we'll see how that goes. In the storyline, well, this team is not too bad. It's not too good. Um, can Bedard pop off right away? And maybe he, along with Jack Hughes and uh, Tim Stutzla, can uh, maybe get things going in the right direction for Kevin and be a bit of a, uh, a tougher matchup than teams might think. Above Kevin is Barry. And Barry is another team where the uh, star player is pretty easy to find. You don't have to look too much further than the blue line on Scunthorpe, it is Kale McCarr. Uh, he is, he's really good in real life, man. Like, if you, Connor McDavid is, like, the one player whose highlights, like, you want to watch, like, all the time. But, like, Kale McCarr might be second for me. Like, he is just supremely talented, skating, puck handling, his ability to score, just everything about his game is remarkable. And that makes a big impact in Dynasty. And this is a team that is legitimately one of the better defense groups in the league. Uh, we'll see if I actually get around to ranking positions for this. Winger can be kind of amb ambiguous, but uh, we'll, we'll see. It can possibly be a thing. I'm sure Mike would love to to rank position groups with me for hockey. But you have Rasmus Dahlin there too, who just signed a big contract, actually making more in real life than he is in DSAC. That's kind of cool. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Another very talented offensive defenseman, Mikhail Sergachev, who a uh, pretty decent all-around player, seems to be eventually the, the top defenseman there. It's still Victor Hedman until Victor Hedman says otherwise, but Sergachev is right up there too. Uh, big fan of Evan Bouchard, who I kind of have as Barry's sleeper. I think there's a real chance he is top power play unit there. I think he's got a very good offensive instinct. Uh, one of his calling cards uh, from... Junior was his ability to get point shots through to the net. There's a bit of a skill to that. It's not just simply winding up and blasting at the net. Uh, it's timing, it's accuracy, and all that stuff. Uh, and that's something he excels at. And I think, you know, if he ends up on the top power play unit there, uh, hey, that could uh, be very beneficial to his point totals and his special teams points totals, obviously. Um, for the faller, uh, this was kind of a difficult one for me, not because I had a ton of choices, but because I think with Barry, there's a lot of pretty good young talent here. But it's just a matter of... I don't see how Andre Kuzmenko can shoot, like, 27-something percent again. Like, that's a ridiculous outlier. The most talented of goal scorers can't do that. That'll fall below 20 unless Kuzmenko is absurdly efficient with his shooting, which I, I don't really buy into. Um, but even then, he'll still have a fine year, I think. It's just not going to be as efficient as he was last year. Um, yeah, uh, the, the big storyline here is it's, it's a lot on the defensive end here. 
And he added some prospects up this year. Um, I think we saw another team who we'll get to later who added more ready uh, rookie talent for DSAC. But Barry is very easily in second place when it comes to calling up players for this year. Um, but there's some other intriguing young talent here. I'm curious to see what Lafreniere does. I don't really think this is going to be his year at any point in time. He's still in the Rangers, and the Rangers still are probably the worst team for him. Or not not the worst team, but one of the worst teams for him. Um, Cole Caulfield, he's a really fun player to watch. Got an absolutely lethal shot. And plus, it's always kind of fun to see players roughly my size do well. It makes me feel slightly better about myself. Uh, Clayton Keller had a really nice year last year. Uh, Jonathan Huberto uh, got extended for s- some reason. I didn't quite uh, expect that, nor do I quite understand it, to be honest with you. Even if the offense bounces back to like 75% of what it was his final year in Florida, he offers nothing else outside of points. But we'll see where that goes. And then in net will be the, the interesting part because there's a little bit of money spent on goaltending, but it's uh, bad. Ilya Samsonov? Hey, that's a good signing. He is a decent goalie on a really good team, and that makes a really good fantasy goalie. The others, uh, Lucas Dostal, not the starter in Anaheim. Alex Nedeljkovic, not the starter in Pittsburgh, and to be quite honest, he's very mid for a backup. Uh, Peter Kochekov is in the minors still. And then Devin Levi had a very minimal run in the NHL at the end of last year. A lot of hopes, a lot of pressure on a young rookie goaltender in real life coming in for a team that has playoff aspirations. Would not be surprised what maybe took him a bit to adjust. But beyond that, you got Matthew Beneers up full-time now. You got Masak Tavage up. You got Jake Sanderson up. There's going to be a lot to, to talk about for Barry uh, when he wakes up in the morning and sees what his guys did. Above Barry now, getting into... Uh, Team six, we have Ping, uh, and his his star player, pretty easy to find again. It's uh, Kirill Kaprizov. He's really good. He's one of the top ten players in the league in real life. He's fantastic, an offensive dynamo, can score a ton, will pick up a lot of assists too. He shoots with no hesitation. He He won't pass up a shot that he thinks he can make. But uh, for sleepers here, um, this is kind of a tough one to find because there's a lot of, like, veteran talent on this team. Um, Not a ton of younger guys, and the veterans are mostly spoken for. You kind of know what you're going to get here. Um, But there's, like, a couple names here. I didn't really feel particularly strong about anyone, but Tommy Novak, can he kind of repeat what he did? He'll get decent minutes this year in Nashville. There's plenty of time there. So will that work out a little bit for him? I'm I'm kind of high on Jake Wallman. I think he could be, I said this in the chat, but kind of like a Devon Taves light. And Devon Taves is pretty decent for, for this format. He's not a star by any means in this league, but he's decent for this format. Um, can Lucas Raymond break out? Had a pretty decent rookie year. Uh, did Took a bit of a step back in his sophomore year. Teams kind of adjusted to him, and he didn't really have the mindset to try to make adjustments back at that point in time. He said that was something he kind of learned over the course of the year and into this upcoming season. So I think those are maybe some some names to watch there on Ping's team for fallers. I kind of went with JT Comfort here. Um, moving to Detroit, he's going to have less talented teammates. Uh, he spent a lot of time last year as the number one center on Colorado because of injuries, and that meant he got to play with Miko Rantanen. Uh, Detroit does not have a Miko Rantanen. Detroit doesn't have a Miko Renton in on the second line, of course. Uh, so, yeah, I think the point total is going to come down. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I th- still think he'll be relevant. He'll win his face-offs and whatnot. But maybe you could say Jeremy McCann. I don't know if he's going to score 40 again. I think he'll put up pretty similar point totals. But scoring 40 for Jeremy McCann felt really out of the blue. So we'll see how how that goes. But... The storyline there is uh, fringe playoff odds, but uh, he lost Vasilevsky for a little bit. And in net, other than that, he has Freddie Anderson and uh, 
shoot. So the sheets aren't updated. He claimed a goalie off waivers, I think. And I'm blanking on who it is, but I remember it not exactly being a super inspiring name. So yeah, can Payne get enough goaltending until Vasilevsky gets back, or is he going to dig himself a bit of a hole in those categories that he won't be able to make up for once Vasilevsky comes back? Moving into the top half now, we have Josh. His stud, Matthew Kachuk, had himself quite the playoffs, really put his name on the map from a national sense. I think most hockey fans kind of knew he was pretty good, but he really had a big coming-out party on the biggest stage of all. And yeah, that's your that's the guy to build around. He's a very talented scorer. He shoots a lot. He's not afraid to hit. He he and his brother Brady, who we'll talk about later, very ideal wingers for uh, this format by a big margin. Um, for sleeper, uh, this is you know kind of a team with a lot of veterans as well, so it's not as easily easy to find a sleeper. But I do think. Maybe Max Pacioretty, if he is healthy. Again, if he if his Achilles will stay intact, I think he could be a guy who maybe well outperforms his, his salary. He's on a $1 million deal for three years, but I think he could be worth more than that if he's able to stay healthy and uh, provide an uh, extra scoring boost for Washington on, on the wings and on the power play. But, uh, yeah, there's some pretty good players on this team, though. Obviously, big Adam Fox fan for... Uh, for Josh, Jacob Truba, he's not a beloved player in real life. I kind of like him, but a lot of teams think he's dirty. A lot of fans think he's dirty. He's going to be very effective for our format. Kyle Connor, pretty lethal goal scorer. Nikita Kucherov is still on this team. I feel like we kind of forget about Nikita Kucherov in this league because he's been hurt for so much of this league's existence. And that could be a big thing for Josh here. But the the biggest thing for Josh here. The call-ups. Matthew Boldy is up. Jay Gottinger is up. That's big. That is big, big, big. And if he really wanted to, you know, he could probably call up Logan Cooley at some point in time. Uh, let's see here. Logan Stankovin, perhaps. Gabe Velarde, Josh Norris. Uh, Bowen Byram. There's a lot of Quentin Byfield, maybe. Quentin Byfield could be a real blow-up candidate this year. I think he, he might be able to finally pop off and make people realize why he was taken second overall who may have started to lose faith in him. But pretty good team. Uh, the faller here, this is kind of difficult because for the most part, you don't really see a ton of like old, old guys or any guys in situations where I think they're going to completely drop off from last year. So... Maybe like Vincent Trocek. Like, I don't think the Rangers are going to be quite as good as they were last year, and that might show up in the point totals to some other guys. I don't really feel good about saying Trocek there, but I don't really have an obvious candidate. The uh, the storyline, though, I kind of mentioned, it's all the rookies coming up. Can the rookies here and some good health from some guys who have been hurt and some internal development from some of the guys who were already on the team, can those things kind of collide and take this team to the four seed, maybe even the three seed. I know I've kind of talked Josh up a lot, but I uh, I think he could be he could be that. After Josh at the four spot is uh, myself. Uh, my stud, I'm going to mark down as Ilya Sorokin because he's really good. I think he is the best goalie in the world in real life. I mean, obviously that won't... Uh, mean a whole, whole lot for fantasy purposes, but hold on, I uh, I could be clever, but I'm not going to. We're going to fix a an error on the sheet. Uh, Connor Hellbuck's name was not bolded when he should have been because I extended him, so I'm going to make sure that is properly done because I don't want to take advantage of of that. I mean, granted, his salary is already pretty high anyway, so it's not like it, it would make my second extension all that much cheaper. But Or even, I don't even know if I would want him a second extension, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Ilya Sorokin, really good. He was one of the very best goalies in the league last year. Uh, and also got Connor Hellbuck with him, too, who was another top three goalie last year. Both he and Sorokin were 
by DSAC PR. Uh, it's the best tandem in the league, I think. Uh, there's other teams that have more depth than I do because I only have three goalies, and Karel Vimelka is kind of my speculative guy in that there. I think Arizona is going to be slightly better than they have been in years past, and I hope that can translate to him not facing a barrage of high-danger chances. <sighs> Fingers crossed. But, uh, yeah, sleeper-wise... Um, I've been talking about Michael Rasmussen on like the lower end. I think he could be like a a guy people don't really think too much of who might actually be a slight difference maker, but it feels odd calling this guy a sleeper, but I think Jack Eichel is going to be better than he has been in DSEC at any point in time. He was my first round pick when we did the startup, and kind of with the injury of Buffalo, numbers were not very good. Finding his groove in Vegas wasn't quite good, but he really had a hell of a playoffs. He was a terrific playoff performer. Uh, he probably finished second in Con Smythe, I believe, and I think he can translate that this year. I think he's going to be well over a point per game, and I think we're going to start to see the Jack Eichel that I thought I was getting back in 2020. Um, like I said, it's kind of hard to consider a guy like that a sleeper, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, the Faller. Well, I got a couple of really old guys who I just extended. Uh, like I think Brad Marchand is probably not going to be as quite as effective as he has been in the past. Uh, he lost his uh, his bromance with Patrice Bergeron. That's going to probably take a step back going from him to Zaka, most likely. So, I still think Marchand is talented enough to be a quality player for this format, though, of course. And then, I don't know, maybe like... You can see it's starting to age with Ovechkin a little bit. But those are the only two guys there I could really choose from. Um, another guy I'm maybe kind of optimistic on is Ryan O'Reilly. Ended up in Nashville. He's going to have uh, plenty of chances to get ice time and produce being on the top line. I uh, think he could be a nice piece for me this year. Hoping. And, of course, you always have Moritz Sider. Big, big fan of Moritz Sider. Love him. Glad he's on my team, both in real life and in DSAC. Storyline here is, uh, as Alex pointed out, uh, I am very much pigeonholing myself here with my strategy. I'm not leaving myself much margin of error. It's G and G, grit and goalies. Uh, can the offense produce enough? And most importantly, can I actually get enough grit? Um, we're gonna we're gonna find out. <laughs> um, that could uh, could really make or break my year. You know, there's teams behind me improving. And while I still think I'm a playoff team this year, uh, the the gap between me and, say, fourth and fifth is uh, smaller than it has been in years past. So we'll see how how that goes and how my plan this offseason will uh, play out. At three, actually, was Spencer's team. Uh, and he has a very clear star player. That is Leon Dreisaitl. And he's got a couple others, too. Elise Pedersen's really good. Braden Point is really good. But it's it's Leon Dreisaitl here. Um, second best player in our league behind Connor McDavid, probably. He's just incredibly talented. ton of points. He's going to shoot a little bit. Well, more than a little bit. He's going to hit a little bit, though. Faceoffs will be there a little bit. Uh, not a whole lot that he doesn't do. He fills the stat sheet in many, many ways. Uh, for sleepers... Uh, I kind of think Barrett Hayton could be a guy for uh, for Spencer here. He kind of quietly had a, a decent year last year. He wasn't a star by any means, but for a guy who has taken... Hayton was the fifth overall pick in his draft. He went right before Detroit took Sedina. Ugh, I don't wanna really want to talk about that. But he was considered a reach at the time, and he started off kind of slowly in his career, and I think people kind of like, oh, yeah, that's not going to pan out. I think he could be in for a pretty decent year this year. So I, that'd be the guy I think is going to outperform expectations for Spencer there. Uh, for a faller, this was kind of hard to find a faller for. So I this is a bit of a weird one. I'm going to go David Pasternak, perhaps. Now in the sense, I don't think he's going to be good. I mean, he scored 60 goals last year. You don't do that on accident. Uh, but, you know, like I mentioned, they're losing uh, Bergeron and Krejci. 
that's probably going to take a few goals off of his total. He's probably going to be maybe closer to 50 than 60, which, oh, whoa, is Spencer for that. That must really suck for him. But, you know, I, I just think he's a guy who's not going to be quite as good as he was last year. And the storyline, of course, this is a new owner. This was Paolo's team and briefly other Jared's team. Uh, Spencer is back in hockey. This is his second go-around of hockey. This team is much better than the first one he had. Let's see, uh, let's see what he does in his attempt to, to acclimate himself with fantasy hockey. Should be a fun one. It's, it's a team that is very much in playoff contention. And we'll see if Spencer can uh, take the wheel and drive it there. In second place, my rankings had Chris, his star player. You could really go one of, th- one of three ways here. Maybe even one of four. You have Austin Matthews, you have Nathan McKinnon, you have Brady Kachuk, you have Jason Robertson. you got a lot of really, really good players here, and that's kind of the story of Chris's team. He has a ton, I mean a ton of quality skaters. A lot of goals here, a lot of hits here, plenty of face-offs. But uh, yeah, that also kind of makes it hard, though, to find a sleeper because a lot of these guys are proven veterans. You know, it's kind of these guys mostly are what they are, but I, I think Timo Meyer is going to do better than he did last year. He's on a much better team now in New Jersey. I think he'll be close to a point of game. He's going to have a lot more assist opportunities, and he's going to have better players to set him up to give him better quality shots. So I think he's going to have a nice bounce-back year. He was already really good last year anyways, but like I mentioned, I think the situation's much better for him this year. Uh, for Fowler, uh, Jamie Ben, he's getting up there. Um, I don't really... If you don't think he could really consider Tyler Sagan a follower, he just kind of is what he is, you know, not nearly what he used to be. But Jamie Benn, I think, had a much better year last year than I was anticipating, and I think he's going to kind of fall back to earth on that a little bit. Um, yeah, the storyline here with Chris, though, is uh, what is up in goal because he has two backup goalies. Logan Thompson's not really the starter in Vegas, although... I think it'll be a, a, a decent split, maybe like a 60-40 split in favor of Aiden Hill. And then the other guy he has is Joel Hofer, who I had down the stretch. Um, Bennington's still a guy there for now. So Hofer could find himself in a role, but I don't really buy Hofer as being particularly super high quality. So I think Chris could really find himself in a hole. He doesn't mean this is his whole strategy, is just load up on skaters load up on games and try to just out counting stats everybody and he's okay with losing four goalie categories if it means he wins eight to four but uh yeah he could be in for a rough one there could be some weeks here where he's not gonna hit three starts but uh we'll see how that goes because clearly there's enough forward talent and defense talent to uh keep this team in uh very comfortable in the playoffs and i didn't even mention in the whole thing i didn't mention Joe Pavelski, who defies father time. Uh, Tage Thompson, who came out of nowhere a couple years ago. Uh, Rupe Hintz, who is really good. You know, there's a ton of, ton of talent there. And, of course, lastly, we have the reigning three-time champion, your Fargo Frostbite. Uh, star players. Uh, where do I begin? Uh, Connor McDavid. It's a pretty good place to start. He is very clearly the guy here. You know, I could really go on about his skating, his shooting, his goal scoring, his points, his assists, special teams points. He does everything. But you also have, and it feels almost wrong to neglect saying like, hey, like, we have a Sidney Crosby here. We have Miko Rantanen here. John Tavares and Andre Kopitar are still quality players. Roman Yossi, one of the best defensemen here. Uh, Eric Carlson just won the Norris Trophy last year, and he's, you know, not even a top-five player on this team, probably. You have Igor Shosturkin in goal, one of the very top goalies in the world and in this league. Like, this is a just a loaded, loaded team here. This is kind of like if you slightly lessened Chris's skaters but souped up his goaltending to an unimaginable degree, this is kind of what you get with with Alex. And Alex's skaters can go toe-to-toe with Chris's, too, by the way. This is, you know, the team that I feel very confidently is probably the most likely team to 
to win it all again. I don't see how Alex would not for Pete unless, you know, you just kind of get some schedule luck or just, you know, another team kind of just outplays him. But I don't think Alex is going to, like, lose necessarily. I think other teams have to beat him, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, but the sleeper here I think could be maybe Taylor Hall. Um, a very, very good addition here. Uh, we've got perhaps the winger for Connor Bedard, and that could be uh, a lot of points. Could be a lot of points there. The father, though, I mean, I mentioned he was one of the star players here, but, like, Eric Carlson surely can't repeat that, right? He's obviously on a much better team now, but he's not going to be relied upon as much to produce all the offense. You still have Chris Letang there. So I just... I just think Carlson's offense is going to take a bit of a step back there, and we'll see. But I just, you know, I think it's it's possible that uh, that happens. But the storyline here. So Alex has some financial flexibility next year, not a ton. But uh, he has some high-dollar players up for extensions, and very likely... At least one of them is probably not coming back. So Alex will be able to run this back again next year and into 2025 too. But uh, this the team's going to look slightly different next year. And, you know, we'll see. Got to think he's going to do very well this year anyway. But I think that's kind of storyline is going for the four-peat and who is no longer on the frostbite next year. I don't think it'll be anyone of like, actual serious consequence, but some salary moves are going to have to be made in the offseason there. But that is your DSAC hockey preview. Hope you guys all enjoyed that part, and I hope that my voice and my voice alone didn't ruin the segment for you. But I still hope it was informative and entertaining on on some level. But uh, yeah, that'll wrap up that part of the podcast. All right, coming out of the hockey preview, let's jump right in to football. So I neglected to do this last week, and I will take full responsibility, and as such, we are going to remedy things here. We're going to do the all DSAC team from last week. Let's pull up the right filters here. So your quarterback, Josh Allen, 36 and a half for Tom. Your two running backs, Christian McCaffrey, 45.2 for the walleye. And David Montgomery, 33.1 for Nut. Wide receivers, A.J. Brown for Sean with 34. Stephon Diggs with 33 for Alex. At the tight end, Cole Komet, 24.1 for Nathan. In the flex, we have Nico Collins, 32.3 for Ronnie. Puka Nakua, 26.8 for Sean. Your super flex spot. Lamar Jackson, 28.14 for Sean. And your kicker, Jake Elliott, 18 points for Alex, who has been incredible this point kicker number one on the year has not scored in single digits at any point in time yet it's a quite an impressive run that jake elliott is on let's get into the recap uh for this week first matchup up on the docket we've got i hate chris versus the queen's royal vanguard and Keith Kitta takes the win here. 116.02 to 99.58. Keith benefiting from Jalen Hurts going for 27.32. As Mike likes to call it, the brotherly shove found its way into the end zone at least once this week. But uh, beyond that, Calvin Ridley had another nice bounce back week. And uh, Jaleel McLaughlin off waivers into the Superflex slot, putting up 16.4 points. Pretty good week for 
McLaughlin, despite the fact that Sean Payton went away from them around at the end, but McLaughlin did get, of course, a receiving touchdown. So that really helped boost his score on Nathan's end. Joe Burrow looked like Joe Burrow again, if only for one week. We'll see if uh, Burrow can continue to get slightly healthier more and more each week. But he threw for 317 yards, three touchdowns, had a uh, pretty nice connection there with uh, uh, Jamar Chase. But uh, things to note here, Cooper Cup made his valiant return to lap and put up 15.8 points. Not bad for missing the first four weeks. Uh, the white Puka Nakua, as some call him, uh, caught eight passes for 118 yards. Definitely did not miss a beat with his chemistry with Matthew Stafford one bit. And uh, James Conner picks up an injury here. Uh, sounds like he's going to miss a little bit of time. We'll see how Nathan handles that in the backfield. Uh, it still does have Alexander Madison and uh, Chuba Hubbard, I guess. Not the most uh, exciting second name there, but, you know, you could be worse. The uh, next matchup up to talk about was uh, the the real toilet bowl here. We have Spencer and Josh, two teams racing to the bottom. Spencer could not nearly compete with Josh this week, though, as Spencer wins 63.94 to 33.22. Uh, standout players here, um, all two guys at double figures for uh, for Spencer. Josh Reynolds got a touchdown. He got 15.6 points. Imari DiMercato off waiver wire and into a uh, pretty big role with James Conner's injury, as I'm sure Spencer was not too thrilled about that touchdown that DiMercato got. But, uh, hey, maybe that's a possible trade ship to maybe Nathan, a team who all of a sudden has an opening at running back by a uh, former or a current Arizona Cardinal who was no longer help uh, helping him out. Um, and on Josh's end, some star players here, we got negative 1.6 from Mac Jones. We got zeros from Salvin Ahmed, Alec Ingold, Darnell Mooney, and Isaiah Likely. And a negative one from Chad Ryland. That's right. The Patriots duo of Mac Jones and Chad Ryland. Best duo of the week. A negative 2.6 points combined between them. Huge, huge, huge for Josh. Um, in all series now, Derek Carr did go for 15.72, and Trenton Irwin, off the waiver wire, picks up uh, a good 10 points there. He's got, holy shit. <laughs> My God. His uh, his headshot, his his face is uh, oval. That is not a particularly round face. That thing is tall. There is very little width. It's a very, very Y-axis heavy face that Trenton Irwin has. Jeez. Oh, I got to have a special order helmet for that thing. But yeah, Josh sets a, a new league record for lowest score in a week. So I'm sure that's exactly what the Connecticut Whale are going for here at this point in time. They're trying to be bad, and they were bad this week. Next up, the Vegas Flying Flamingo off to pretty big start this week. The leading score across the whole league, 162.22 uh, knocking off one night in Paris, 107 with 0.14. Uh, Josh Allen leading the way for Tom here, 27.76. When that's your star quarterback and he's continuously putting up 20-plus points, it's pretty, pretty nice. Buffalo went over to, to London and actually lost to the Jags. But uh, Josh Allen ran for a touchdown, threw for two more, and 359 yards. Uh, we got a touchdown from Mostert, a touchdown from Pacheco. Drake London found double figures as uh, Desmond Ritter actually moved the ball pretty well, but we'll get to Ritter in a minute. Uh, DJ Moore, the big uh, big story here. The uh, Washington Commanders secondary decided to play very little defense. They tried to jump every route and routinely failed, leaving Moore plenty of opportunities to run for 230 yards. Receiving, plus three touchdowns, that all adds up to 45 points. That'll do it. And, of course, how can we talk about Tom's team, and I talk about quarterback five on the season, Brock Purdy. Uh, the dude just does not make mistakes. Four touchdowns in a thrashing of the Dallas Cowboys, an absolute thrashing. Brock Purdy making Dak Prescott look like me by comparison out there. But Paolo had some, you know, he had Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase went for 44.7. I mean, we had the two top wide receivers, I believe. I can't imagine anyone else putting that up here. In the same matchup here. Jamar Chase, who said he's always fucking open, and he was. He got 15 passes for 192 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good week. 
that's a pretty good month <laughs> for some players. Uh, and, you know, C.J. Stroud going for 14.16, continues to not throw in receptions, could not finish the drives there this week. A lot of field goals for Houston, part of the reason why they lost, but he's looking like a pretty good rookie quarterback. We'll see if he has and, you know, ultimately a, a huge ceiling, but it looks like he's going to be, at the very least, a very, very high-floor player for the foreseeable future for his whole career. But Tom gets the win, finally. He had a lot of bad luck this week. Paolo gets a loss like he was hoping for. Still got a few uh, winless teams, as we'll uh, touch on here in a minute. Uh, we have the Dan Dirty Apes, 160.22 to Barry, 108.04. Barry did want to come in and complain a little bit about uh, his his bad luck here, facing up against a strong team at Chris, but 108.04 is not going to win a ton of matchups each week. But uh, Chris certainly made no... Uh, question about this one we got Patrick Mahomes putting up 19 which is you know kind of expected for Mahomes that's even a little disappointing to be quite honest but ETN ran for a couple scores 136 yards caught four balls very good week in London for him Alvin Kamara found the end zone again I believe with that scoreline not again this is his first touchdown of the season uh did not have the bonus of catching 13 passes this week he only caught three of them and he had half the yards as he did last week when he got 13 passes. Uh, Justin Jefferson picked up a bit of an injury. In this one, we'll see how long he is out for, but uh, negated with Gabe Davis. Had a pretty nice uh, touchdown catch. That's a, a touchdown in four straight weeks for Gabe Davis. 19 points for him. Six catches for 100 yards with that. And Justin Fields, as I mentioned, DJ Moore went off. Uh, with some questionable defensive play by the commanders, and Justin Fields made the most of it. They schemed very well for his um, drawbacks to this point. A lot of quick releases, a lot of first read throws, and they got those first reads open for him. And uh, 32.98 points. Sounds like he uh, did pretty well with those first reads. And on Barry's end, Tua Tagovailoa. A couple interceptions this week. You know, that's... Uh, not the uh, Superman that Barry had hype, been hyping him up to be, but he did throw for two touchdowns as well. Almost 17 points, 308 yards. It's pretty, pretty quality receiving court he has to throw to. Uh, Jordan Addison picked up some slack with Jefferson going out. Looks like he could be in line for pretty good volume next week. 15.4 points for him. And Sam Howell having a decent week for Barry. 25.42 points, threw for 388 yards and two scores on Thursday night. Third from last, we have Sean and Ping. Sean put up 134.58. A little disappointing for Sean, probably, to be honest. Uh, but Ping, only 80.38. Big, big regression week for the Mudslets. On Sean's end, Jared Goff, 27.44. Uh, Jared Goff is QB 11 on the year. I thought he'd be probably a little higher than that, but he did have three scores through the air this week. Uh, A.J. Dillon found the end zone with uh, Aaron Jones inactive. A.J. Brown did not find the end zone, but he got six balls for 127 yards, 15.7 points. Tyree Kill went for 28.1. He's uh, pretty good. Eight catches, 181 yards, and a score. Uh, that'll uh, happen when you have that kind of speed. Uh, Puka Nakua, as I mentioned last week's team of the week, he had 16.6, found a touchdown, very... Uh, early, uh, or I don't know if what he caught it, but he caught a touchdown. And on Barry's end, we got 26.2 from, or on Barry's end, sorry, Pink's end, 26.2 from George Kittle, three scores and a fuck Dallas t-shirt. Made a lot of fans that he, he probably should have already had those fans anyway, but is what is. And Kirk Cousins, 19.86. Two scores for Kirk. But uh, Robinson and Cook combined for a hair under 10. Jamison Williams and Cortland Sutton combined for three. Uh, Najee and Devontae Adams combined for 11. Anthony Richardson had under five before he got hurt. Uh, a lot of underperformances for Ping. We'll see how he can uh, get back next week. We have the biggest discrepancy in score here as Nutt wins 130.96. Uh, to 43.8 over Mike, two Pennsylvania boys. Mike was a little nervous about this coming in, but uh, I don't think he had reason to be. 
seeing how this played out. Desmond Ritter, as I mentioned, had a pretty big week for for his standards, for most QB standards even. 329 yards, that's got to be a career high for him. Only one touchdown, though, but he did run for a touchdown at least. Uh, Dave Montgomery, 19.9 points. He looks like that injury that kept out week three is a thing of the past. 109 yards and a score. Josh Jacobs found the end zone. Bit of a slow start tonight, but he uh, he got there in the end. Uh, Matt Gay, you know, continues to be a pretty pretty good fantasy kicker. Colts are going to give him opportunities, and he's more often than not going to make them. Good week for him. And on Mike's end, um, his highest score was 9.4 from Jalen Warren. Um, he had a zero at quarterback, a 0.4 at his super flex, only two from his kicker as Tyler Bass, who had been his MVP all year. Very quiet. And uh, I'm just going to check in on this guy because I haven't really looked at him. Uh, Jerry Judy only eight this week. I've not been particularly high on Judy, like, at any point outside of maybe, like, when he was drafted. But, like, pretty much ever since he was drafted, it's been all downhill from there. I don't quite see it, but I know a lot of people still like him. Uh, I just, I'm not trying to shit on him. I just kind of honestly hadn't looked at his stats in a bit and um, saw his name and decided to do there. Because, let's be honest, there's nothing else to talk about with Mike's team. That's by design. And finally, a schedule loss for the Walleye. As the Fargo Frostbite put up 128.34, the Walleye put up 94.58. Few, few big bye weeks for the Walleye. And we uh, just don't have the depth to uh, withstand big bye weeks, and that's okay. Thrilled it happened against Alex, a team I probably would have lost to anyways, so I'll take an L against that. First an L against a, a middling team or even a bottom feeder. Uh, Lord knows I've had enough of those over the years. Um, on Alex's end, Stefan Diggs, 20.1, uh, big touchdown in the London game, 121 yards as well. Dallas Goddard pretty much had the entire first drive was just pass to Goddard, 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 touchdown. Uh, he had eight catches, 117 yards, and a score for 21.7 points. Russell Wilson in his Fargo debut, 18-plus. He threw for two touchdowns. Uh, Jake Elliott, as I mentioned, double figures again uh, this week. On my end, uh, Adam Thielen, 22.2. The number one option for Carolina, he's been very reliable. He's getting a ton of targets. 11 catches, 107 yards, and a score this week. And Travis Kelsey, low ankle sprain, came back out and decided, screw low ankle sprains, I'm going to go score a touchdown. And he did. 10 catches, 67 yards, and score for Kelsey. Let's take a look here at the standings. These are not going to be updated as I do this, so we're going to have to go off the top of my head. Sean moves to 5-0. and um, Chris... Alex, Keith, Nathan, and Nuts all move to four and one. The Walleye fall to three and two. Barry falls two and three. Tom goes to two and three. Paolo, or sorry, Spencer will go to one and four. Paolo, Mike, and Josh all zero oh and four in that order. Uh, yeah. So still have a very, very top-heavy week. Really need some of these 3-1 and one teams to start cannibalizing themselves for my sake because having ha- over half the league above 500 is... It's something. <laughs> something at this point, but it's still early. It's only week five. And uh, take a look here at next week. So week six matchups. Blue Water Walleye, Notorious NUT. See if the wall I can get back in the win column and get back up to four and two. Hopefully, send Nut down to four and two. We have a battle of. Well, Spencer won this week, so it's not a battle of defeateds, but Spencer will be playing Paolo, hoping uh, that he won't also be having one win, ideally for Spencer, because hopefully Spencer loses. Had to really do the mental gymnastics there to get the wording. Semi-coherent uh, on that one. Talk myself into a corner. Uh, we have I Hate Chris going up against Tom. Got to think uh, Tom's feeling pretty good about facing Nathan this week. That would be good for for the, the teams trying to hope for fewer 3-1, or 4-1 rather, uh, teams to win. So Tom could probably get a leg up here on Nathan, help out some other teams by hitting an L to Nathan potentially. Uh, we have P. 
Ping and Josh, uh, you know, Ping took a step back this week, some injuries, but he's facing Josh. He'll be fine. We got Chris going up against Mike, in which could be, which probably should be, uh, the largest margin of defeat. And then we have Barry and Sean. Um, Barry, a buzz off a schedule to start. He's been facing a who's who. So we'll see uh, if Barry can keep it at least respectable. And finally, Alex and Keith, two four and one teams facing off. Gotta think Fargo's probably got a leg up here. Um, Keith, as Keith has mentioned, is kind of had some decent schedule luck. He hasn't been putting up a ton of points relative to other teams, but he's been getting uh, convenient matchups where he doesn't have to put up a ton of points and he can be fine. So that is how that is shaping up. And yeah, that's football for the week. But not so fast, my friend, because I almost forgot to do the, uh, the, the team of the week again. So your quarterback, Justin Fields, 32.28 for Chris at running back. We've got Travis Etienne, 34.4 for Chris. What would have been Zach Moss for Chris, but he was on the bench. Uh, David Montgomery steps in, though, for Nut, 19.9 points. At wide receiver, like I uh, thought, it's DJ Moore for Tom and Jamar Chase for Paolo. 45 for Moore, 44.7 for Chase. Huge week for those two. Tight end George Kittle, 26.2 for Ping. In the flex, we've got Tyree Kill, 28.1 for Sean. And uh, I believe that'll be Adam Thielen, 22.2 for the walleye. Because I'm pretty sure George Pickens was on Alex's bench. I didn't mention him in the in the recap. So, yeah. Adam Thielen finds his way onto the uh, DSAC team of the week. Your super flex is going to be Josh Allen, 27.76 for Tom. And your kicker. Matt Gay, 12 points for Nut. And, well, I guess it's a, Jesus, uh, probably a four-way tie because Nut, or sorry, Gay for Nut, Folk for Keefe, McPherson for Tom, and Gano for Paolo all had 12. So a lot of kickers on the team of the week. And for football, we can preview. Uh, the hockey matchups at the very least. We don't have any standings or any scores to recap, but we do have a schedule. So we had a lot of fun ones this week. We start off with a banger. The Walleye, the Apes. Favorable schedule for the Walleye as the Dallas Stars only play one game this week, and Chris's team is approximately 80% Dallas Stars. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Got to like my odds a little bit more than I did, seeing Chris's name on there anyway. Um, still think Chris probably can eke this one out, but... I think this could be a little closer there thanks to some uh, schedule luck. We have the exact opposite of a banger. We have uh, Alex and Tom. The only way this could be a banger would be Alex banging the locker onto Tom's head as he's stuffing him in it. Um, we have Hillsborough and Connecticut. This will be a fun one. Uh, the, the revamped Connecticut Whale going up against Spencer's first time with a, uh, a quality team here for hockey. This will be this is probably my favorite matchup of the week, if we're being honest. We got Alabama and the Valley Jobin. Mike really trying his best to not lose. Uh, Ping with a a solid team, but not an elite team. So we'll see if Mike can can get a few categories off from there. And we get Barry and Kevin, two teams kind of a little bit beyond the fringe of the playoffs. Probably not making the playoffs at all, but uh, in similar spots in terms of the standings. Not quite the same direction, necessarily, but I think this would be a pretty close one. This might even be a tie, if we're being honest. That's probably the most... That one, and actually there's a few that are likely... Or, you know, a tie isn't the, the cards, but... Should be a very competitive matchup. Could be a very competitive week for us, minus, you know, Alex and Tom. But aside from that, should be a, a fun opening week of hockey. God, this is, this is wonderful. I can't believe it's already here. It was a long, long summer without hockey. But we're, we finally made it, folks. We made it through to the other end. All 
All right, and we do have a few trades here. Not a ton, but let's uh, go through what we got here. We have the big one. Well, a couple big ones. Basketball. Trey Young going to Spencer. Zach Levine, Jalen Smith, Derek Lively, and a first going to Ryan. Uh, you know, basketball is, of course, my least knowledgeable to four sports, but this feels fine. Um, Young, definitely better than Levine, but you get Derek Lively in a first, plus Jalen Smith, I guess, who is meh. Um, Ryan turns his one of his best players, if not his best player, into a lot better depth that's going to help him be a lot more competitive, so I like him for that. Uh, but Spencer, of course, adds more star power. So I think I actually kind of like that for both sides in a way. I mean, who knows what other packages Trey Young could have fetched, but I... Not going to focus on that. Both both teams got what they wanted. And I think that's usually a sign of a decent trade. Nothing in hockey, of course, yet. We're still a ways out from hockey trades, probably really taken off here. But we did have a couple football trades, I believe. The first of which being... We're getting there. Josh Dobbs to Alex for Dawson Knox in the third. Alex really loading up on quarterback depth because uh, Danny Dimes is bad and injured now. Uh, Russell Wilson has actually been all right this year, but probably not thrilled team in your lineup every day. So you get another option there. Dobbs shouldn't be starting over Wilson anyway, but he's depth there, bi-week filler, nothing else. It's a quality add for Alex. Mike turns a waiver claim into a draft pick. Always a good thing there. And the big one, Devontae Adams, salary paid to Sean for T. Higgins, a third and a first. Because the last thing that Sean needed was another star wide receiver. But Ping gets good draft capital, and he gets a, a good young wide receiver. Although the only thing with Higgins is he might not be on Cincinnati soon. And if he's not on Cincinnati, maybe his new situation is not very beneficial for dynasty purposes. But... You never know. But we had some fun trades, though. So that is trades for the week. And with that, we get to the end of another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast. Thank you all for listening. I'm not going to ramble here. I will catch you all next time.